You're listening to The LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the LaunchCast. I love this music. Episode 107 entitled, It's My Party and I'll Float If I Want To. We have an incredible guest on today. I am so excited. You are here today with the Launch Dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. And we are talking leadership, we are talking business, we are talking life, and we are talking growth. And we're doing it all today with my guest, Mr. Bobby Rubio. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, how's it going, George? So nice to have you here, Bobby. So I want to jump right in. So Bobby Rubio, guys, is the writer and director of the Pixar Spark Shorts film Float, which is streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. So you got to download that right now, guys, because it is an incredible piece. Uh, he is currently working with Pixar Animation Studios on a top-secret project as a story artist. Bobby has worked on many well-known projects, including Incredibles 2, Up, Inside Out, Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University, Avatar The Last Airbender. He has also worked as a freelance comic cover artist for Marvel Entertainment. I got to tell you, man, before we jump in, um, <laughs> you, are, you are living my childhood dream, dude. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Was, it, was my, it was my dream to, to actually be a comic book artist uh, when I was a kid. Oh, for real? Did you like draw to? Oh, oh no. I did. No, I totally did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I would think so. You're in New York. Like, I mean, Marvel was there. Did you did you ever visit Marvel? I didn't visit Marvel. I had a, a, a very uh, – well, I was I was the child of immigrants, so I had a very sheltered childhood. <laughs> oh, okay. But, yeah, oh. I, I, would, I would walk down to the, uh, to the corner store every single week, buy the new comic books, take them home, trace them, try and learn how to draw them. And, um, yeah, man, I, I respect what you do so much because it's just uh, – it was always such a passion of mine. So, so that, that's why I was so drawn to doing this interview with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've loved comics since I was a kid, and uh, I it, it and actually it was probably the best thing I could go to. Like like my, my mom was like, "You got the talent, your your uh, education wise. I don't know, maybe you should be an artist." <laughs> it seemed like that was the route my path was to be an artist. So I mean, and it's worked so far, so it's all good. Yeah, it has definitely worked, man. Uh, I'm going to ask you the question that we start with, uh, with okay. all our guests here on the show, Bobby. Are you a leader? I am. I am. Talk to me about uh, that. What is your definition of a leader? My definition of a leader is a person that looks out for his team, and in, and he also he or she also uh, takes care of his people and encourages them to do the best possible work they can and they collaborate and they try to and they try to create this 
atmosphere where anything can be thrown, any stories or any situation can be given to me. And um, I'd like to take care of my team. And I, I'd like to think that I'm a, a fair uh, leader. And so um, that's how I see as a leader is a, a person that takes care of his team and his people around him and makes sure that um, everything works out moving forward with your story and, and, and in animation. Sure, sure. So that, that team concept uh, is something that we really stress on this podcast. So uh, you and I talked about this, but this podcast is really about leadership and the unconventional journey to it. So um, I love when our, our audience uh, gets to listen to these different perspectives. We've had such an array of, of guests on this show, the, the very few guests that we've had so far. <laughs> and it's it's so cool to see these different journeys and how uh, our guests have attained leadership. And what it really does is the, the through line is that anybody could really do this, right? Right. Uh, in terms of being a leader. Um, and so that, that concept of the team, uh, that's um, – that's an idea that that we sort of hear uh, from most of the leaders that we've spoken about, and it seems to be a common trait. Um, how important has your team, whether it's been the team you work with or your team at home, how important has your team been in terms of supporting your success? Oh, very much so. I from home, I immediately I think of my wife who has gone through uh, me working in L.A. I worked at Disney. And I brought my family up here to Oakland, and uh, she was very supportive. It, it, and she also, I, we discussed it. We discussed my career. So she was like, I think that Pixar is probably the best route right now for you. So um, as far as, yeah, that being a team, she she I could bounce ideas off of her. Is it best if we stay in LA or should we take this risk and go to Oakland? And luckily she uh, is a good sounding board of, of how, where my career should go. Um, as far as my team here at Pixar, when it was float, um, um, every, I have a producer, a, a amazing producer, uh, Chrissy Kababa, who, uh, I was able to bounce ideas off of, and she was great uh, with the storyline of Float. And not only that, I also had an editor, um, Greg. Uh, Greg was amazing. He helped us fine tune our our our, uh, our story, and 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 I try to create this atmosphere where everyone, like I said, Greg or Chrissy, can come aboard and and and. Um, contribute to the story and, and, and make our story even better. Um, that's Greg Amundsen. I want to mention that. <laughs> yeah. And, and what an incredible story it was. Um, let's, Thank you. let's kind of, let's kind of go, uh, start, start early on. So you grew up in San Diego, California, right? Yes, I did. All right. Um, and, and so throughout your journey, uh, you know, did, did the research on you saw that you well, uh, went to California Institute of the Arts, uh, uh -huh. until from 91 to 94, you attended Morris high school before that. What was life like for Bobby Rubio in terms of, uh, attaining, uh, the end goal of being a comic, comic book artist and, and eventually an animator storyteller. Um, what was life like for Bobby Rubio growing up, trying to attain that dream? Okay. Well, um, I'm a son of an, an immigrants too. So like my 
parents are from the Philippines. My dad was in the Navy. My mother had her own uh, shop where she um, made clothes and sewing shop. And so I saw them work very hard, and especially my mother. I was usually with her in the shop. And my mother was really great. She, um, by having a store, a, a Filipino lady in the 80s, to have her own store, I, it, it showed me that, that things were possible, that you could be your own boss. And um, I saw that in my mother. My mother encouraged me to draw my own comics when I was in sixth grade. And, um, and here in San Diego, we have the San Diego Comic Con. So I, when I was younger, I would draw comic book pages and then I would go to the Comic Con at 16 showing, uh, editors, Marvel editors and other comic book editors, my artwork. And I would get feedback and, um, I think it was great that there was the Comic Con cause then in, at 16, I was actually talking to uh, real professional editors, and it, it and it it started opening my world into that. This is a possibility, and um, and so I think that also started the leadership qualities sure. by by like now I'm actually trying starting this business, and um, I actually got my job after college though. I, I went to CalArts and then. CalArts, of course, you you learn the trade, and after CalArts, I got an internship, which led to Disney, and and also another comic book company. But um, but the beginning phases, as you're talking about my my childhood years in San Diego, I've learned leadership through my mother, and through trying to be a comic book artist through the Comic Con, trying to become a comic book artist at the sure. early age of sixteen. Did you uh, did you have any any heroes within the comic industry that that influenced you throughout that time? Um, yes, my biggest, my favorite comic book artist was George Perez, and he's from New York and he's Puerto Rican. But I actually thought he was Filipino because like uh, uh, the the Spanish last name, I was like, oh, George Perez, he might sure. be Filipino. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I it it's cool that. I thought that was cool too because when I saw his comic covers and I saw a Spanish name on it, I felt like, wow, empowered that, okay, maybe this guy's Filipino. I'm Filipino. I could do this. So, sure. uh, uh, but not only that, I mean, of course, we all love Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and all the uh, comic book greats. Um, uh, and so those guys were also my heroes. And, and and I'm so grateful to have met Stanley, and, and and in while he was here. So yeah, those guys were definitely my heroes. Yeah, I saw a picture uh, that you would post on social media of that, and I I couldn't even imagine standing <laughs> next to the guy. You know, not not just because of my affinity for for comics themselves, but uh, I'm such a fan of like the the entire MCU and and everything right. that they've done with that. Um, it, it must have been insane. Being with it is because like when you stop and think about it like he was kind of like our walt disney yeah he created this entire world i mean when you think of creators the top creators now you're like it stands gotta be top three yeah. at least at very least and like 
to meet him and wow, all this wealth of of stories and rich characters that he created. It, it was incredible to be in that room, and I was so inspired and so grateful that I had my time with him. Oh, it's so cool, man! I uh, I had an experience when I was a kid. Um, we did this summer program uh, called Summer Horizons, right? It was basically like a um, school for like the we have a gifted and talented program here. Where oh, cool! And so um, we were doing this this summer program. And uh, one of the kids in the program, I recognized his last name, and I just figured it was because he was from the same town. And then um, we wound up doing some kind of project that was based on comics. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, he comes in one day with this heap of comics. And I'm like, you know, the teacher's like, oh, no, I'm sorry, the teacher knew. We were kind of like, what is this about? And he's like, oh, my dad's a uh, comic book artist for DC Comics. Uh, oh, sweet. Bob Rosakis. Oh, cool. And... He he gave us this entire this brand new series and I cannot think of the name of it. Too, I was obsessed with it because it was like these anti-hero uh, teams. Um, okay. Oh man, it it was it was so cool for me. It really like fueled at the time my desire. But yeah, hey, look where I am now. <laughs> I I didn't make well, it. <laughs> got your own business. You're doing a podcast. You're like I'm not complaining. In- I'm not complaining. Oh, in man. In alternate life, man. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so so you mentioned comic books after Cal Arts you did an internship with Disney and Jim Lee at, mm-hmm. uh, at with Disney and one with Jim Lee at Image Comics right yes so talk yes. about that a little bit okay um, so straight after Cal Arts I I now I had a choice to where do I go both comics and animation wanted me so I went to animation first. I went to Disney in Florida. Um, I don't know. Have you ever been to Disney World? And in the past, where they had the uh, animation, uh, uh, it was the fishbowl where you could see the animators actually working behind the scenes. No, I, I haven't. I, I don't think I've been there since 1986, oh. probably. Okay, because it it's gone now. But during the time when they were working on uh, Mulan. And and Lilo and Stitch, they, you could walk by and see the animators behind uh, glass as they were working in Florida. Um, so I did an internship in Disney World Florida as an uh, animator. And I learned animation there for, I believe I was there three months. And then after that, um, in the fall, I went to go to Image Comics in San Diego, where I'm from. And uh, Jim Lee was a the X Men comic book artist, and now he had his own studio. And I I did an internship with him. And then after the internship, uh, I was like, Jim, uh, I want to be a comic book artist. I I think this would be I would like to stay here. But he told me, you know what? If I were you, uh, the comic book industry is dying right now marvel just went bankrupt in 1994 and if i were you i would go into animation and so i followed his lead and then i went to la to disney and my first movie was pocahontas so um but i am grateful that 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 jim was like you know for your sake you probably should go that other direction yeah and which was was great advice at the time because yes. when you look back at the I, I, I happen to be such a, a comic book buff in terms of the the, uh, the historical data behind it and um, uh-huh. 
you know, that was the time when Marvel dumped properties in terms of the the, the filming rights. Right. That right. Caused this whole split of you know X Men going to Fox and Spider Man going to Sony and right you know, stuff that they're still trying to reconcile today. Right. Yeah, you're kind of like had that not had happened, maybe we wouldn't have had the great MCU we had today. Maybe yeah. it. You, in some weird parallel world, there is no MCU. Isn't that isn't that insane? Because I yeah. remember that they sort of leaned on Iron Man as that first major character, and right. you know, people were kind of like, you know, the the, the non comic book aficionados, are like, who's Iron Man? You know, <laughs> right, right. Why don't they do Spider Man? You're like, yeah, because they can't. <laughs> they don't own Spider Man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so crazy. And so and so you you move on to uh, you started working on Pocahontas training to be an animator, right? Yes. Uh, and yes. then you made animator on Treasure Planet. Yes. And then um, 2D animation. Talk about what happened with that. Oh, okay. And then 2D animation kind of died because of this company called Pixar. <laughs> and, and I'm like, Pixar. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> I had a buddy who was working at Pixar at the time, and they were, I was working on Treasure Planet, and he was like, hey, man. Uh, we're working on this superhero family movie, and I was like, oh, I so want to work on that. What is it? And he's like, I can't tell you. And, of course, it's Incredibles. Sure. And um, so I, I, um, it, I was like, you know what? I am going to Pixar, and one day I am going to work on Incredibles 2. And, and I did, of course, it's – 14 years before that to happen but you know it happened so but i'm i'm so happy that it did yeah yeah absolutely um so you you sort of make your way there eventually you went to you eventually went to pixar and you've been there for 12 years uh, mm -hmm. i want to take a break from that just to touch on uh family a bit so okay you're married you've been married since 97 to your wife susan right yes you have three wonderful kids yes harrison and then your twins, Alex and Will, right? That's correct. So when we spoke yesterday, and and of course, um, you know it's no secret uh, with your your short float um, what the idea is behind it. But when we spoke yesterday, you were very candid with me about um, your son Alex being uh, uh, diagnosed as on the spectrum, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, so the idea for float is one that you had. Uh, been carrying for 12 years from what I read um, yes and when your son was two years old and he was diagnosed with autism you explained how difficult the diagnosis was for you to handle which mm -hmm. eventually led to a suggestion from your wife so do you want to get into that story a little bit sure okay um, so my son was diagnosed at two and a half and um, it was like Christmas time actually and I I didn't know at the time, but I was going through a d depression. I was in my bedroom under the covers in the dark. I remember my brother came over and he was playing with my sons. And he was like playing with Alex and Will and Harrison. And he saw that I was locked in my room and he's like, Bobby, what's going on? And I... I told him, you know, Alex has autism and and he didn't know how he he tried his best to make Christmas good and and my wife 
um, like a couple months went by and my wife was like, you can't continue on like this, this, you gotta, you're a storyteller. Why don't you tell this story? Um, and you're a comic book artist. So why don't you do that? And so I took that, uh, took, I, I, I took that advice and I decided to make, uh, Alex the comic book and I drew this cover and, um, I believe it's also on the Pixar, uh, uh, spark shorts extras. You could see the cover and the cover is, uh, this, uh, image of a father and his son. They're standing in a field of dandelions and the sun is floating and the, it was called Alex at the time, and the tagline was, uh, I believe it's a father's journey and a special child. Yep. And I was full on going to do it, but emotionally I wasn't ready. So I put that comic book aside, and then I I didn't go back to it until about three years later, and I decided it's time. I think I'm ready, and I and I started drawing storyboards for it. And, um, those storyboards, I eventually pitched to the executive producer of, uh, spark shorts, which is, uh, um, Lindsay Collins. I showed it to Lindsay. Lindsay thought it was perfect candidate for the spark shorts program. And that's how float was made. Yeah. What a, what a great opportunity. And, uh, from what I read uh, mm-hmm. about the way Pixar works, Pixar releases uh, one movie every couple of years, right? Uh, or at least I, I read that in an article, and so the, okay. the best way to right. to sort of get a project out there was to was to do a short with Spark Shorts, right? At the time, um, well, I I believe Spark Shorts came about. Well, you know, we didn't even know that there was going to be a, a, a Disney Plus platform at the time. Sure. Uh, in fact, I think the program we we were just doing it just to see, just to get other give other uh, people opportunities to learn the how to make a film here at Pixar, and um, luckily uh, the uh, the Disney Plus uh, streaming service came about, and now we can put the Spark Shorts on there, and, and it just happened to work that way. At least that's how I saw it. I don't know. Maybe behind the scenes, we already always knew that it was going to go there, but they never told me. I. I was just under the impression that we're making this film and we hope there's a place to put float somewhere, some down, somewhere down the line. Well, that's, that's where we discovered it, honestly. You know, we got, we got Disney Plus day one. Uh, yeah. And my kids and I were tooling around and saw float. Yeah. And, and I go, oh, man, this is, this is great. And I, I got to make a couple of calls and I had contacted Dave, uh, uh, Dave Thompson that we both know. And, uh, right. yeah, it was incredible. We, we watched those shorts all the time, not just float, but our favorite is the four key ones. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, Bob Peterson makes those, and those are funny. Those are hilarious. Oh, those are great. This is, we, we spent, my kids and I must have spent a good hour just quoting those last night. It, it was oh, nice. <laughs> nice. That's funny. So, so the message of float yes. uh, yeah. is about sharing and celebrating our differences, mm-hmm. in essence, right? Um, yeah. And since its debut on Disney+, and this is something that I love. I read this. Uh, somewhere on the internet, Float has enabled people to bring their own interpretations to the story through its mm-hmm. metaphor of floating, 
whether it's being brown, being LGBTQ, or just being unique. Uh, people are talking about representation and how it matters. They're sharing what this means to them and its importance. And that was a quote from Chrissy Kababa, uh, Chrissy Kababa, the producer, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And so that that was what was so unique when we first checked out Float, um, because my interpretation initially was um, autism. But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? Th- this could be. This could mean anything this is really it was just so ingeniously done man thank you yeah that's why we were we put the word difference at the end i didn't say dedicated to all children of with of autism um because yeah and also once you find out also too with autism you you talk to one kid who has autism you've only talked to one kid with autism everyone's different And so, um, but I, I, I saw when I was pitching it around originally, uh, people were interpreting the floating as different. Uh, it, it depended on which person I was talking to. I did talk to a buddy of mine who interpreted it as like, he, he said, I get it, man. I get it. I, I have a daughter who wants to be an artist and I know that that's not, um, I don't want her to be an artist because like her future, I don't know how, how that road will go about it. And, so, yeah. and so I put, I metaphorically put rocks in her, her backpack to stop her from doing what she wants. But I realize at the end, I got to let her go, let her do her own thing. And, and I got to accept that she's an artist because yeah. I'm miserable and, and she's miserable. And once I, I've done that, and once I've learned to accept and celebrate her for who she is, um, then then everything was great. And I was listening to his interpretation, and I was like, yeah, you're right. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I, I want to tell him, no, it's autism. It's it, it actually made me feel great about it, that it resonates in a different kind of way. Yeah. And so I was uh, – I it's funny. Like I kind of just – wasn't planning that, but I'm so glad that it, it worked out that way. Well, that's the, that's the thing about art, right? That's the thing about yeah. art is that um, every set of eyes has a totally different interpretation of what art is. Right. So it's really interesting when somebody sits down and looks at a piece like Float and, and gives you their interpretation because it kind of – you know, it kind of makes you realize where their mindset is at, where their mindset yes. is at, and what matters to them. And yes. Somebody may say, "Oh, that could be a child with autism. That could be a child that feels different. A child that's LGBTQ." You know, like, um, and so it's it, it's so beautiful, man. And as as a leader, and this is what I really wanted to get into with this. Um, okay. You know, I, I relate with you on, on a few different levels. One is uh, the importance of being a leader as a father, right? Um, right. And, of course, now you're working with a medium. You know, you're, you're not just um, Bobby Rubio that, that people don't know anymore. You know, you're, you're the creator of Float. You're the writer and director of Float. And this is right. a story that's very personal to you. And so there's a, there's a point as a leader where when you put a piece of work out, a piece of art out or, or an expression of yourself where it, it shifts from, Hey, I'm just putting this out to what's my responsibility now that I'm putting this out there to do the right thing with it. 
right. what I mean. So, so yeah. talk about that from the perspective of, of being a dad. Like what, what kind of responsibility you felt with this piece um, okay. as a father putting this out there? Yeah, interesting enough is I remember when I was doing this, uh, one of the things that I was thinking of was somebody told me I, I somebody told me this quote and I love it um, that uh, and it applies to the short is that at first I wanted to change my kid to fit the world and now I want to change the world to fit my kid and I took that to heart and that's what I want to do. I want to change this world to fit my child. Um, I, and I know eventually he's going to be a man. And I, I'm hoping that when he is, that um, this world will know more about autism and it wouldn't be this um, weird thing. They would look at him like, oh, I, I get it. I, I understand why he sways or why he spins it's because he is on the spectrum but that doesn't make him less of a person he's a person and it's i hope it becomes normalized where they're like oh it's just alex it's not alex who has autism it's not a kid with autism it's alex so that's my hope and as a father yeah i that's what i'm trying to do is create a world for him a better world for him was there a was there a moment during this and and what I mean by moment is uh, I I speak about this on on my podcast and in my leadership uh, coaching that I do I have this concept of what I call a spark moment and that spark moment is basically just um, any pivotal moment in your life where you either you know in the moment or you look back and you realize hey that was a that was a big moment in either a positive or a negative way that really caused a shift was there a spark moment for you during the creation of this project, when it got really serious, right, with Pixar, mm -hmm. um, where you kind of realized the gravity of what you were doing? Um, I guess once the reactions came in from people after they asked, after it came out, like I thought it was just like, oh, just a few people are going to get it. But um, when the reactions started flooding in and I started seeing – as you said, now I've become like some representative and for not only the autism community, but also the Filipino American community. Um, and um, that's when it, the, the, I guess the spark hit, like, like you said, now it's not just me messing around and okay, it's a funny, it's a fun picture out there. Now I have to talk on, on behalf of the, uh, of the autism community and the Filipino American community, and and I welcome it. I I I'm grateful for that opportunity because we don't have a lot of representation, and if it is up to me, then I'm I relish the the chance to do so, to to talk on our behalf because we don't have a lot of people talking on on our behalf. That's incredible, and that was going to be my next my next question, and maybe I'll frame it a little differently. Is sure. Um, I was going to ask you if you're okay with this role, but I think uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll reframe it as: Did you want that responsibility? Um, if you asked me two or three years ago, I'd be like, no, I really don't. If you asked me 
at the beginning when I was in my deepest depression, I would be, hell no, I don't want this. And so I am surprised and I am, but not also, I mean, I've, I've, I've come through this journey and now I risk, I am cool with the responsibility and I, I, I'm ready for it. And, and a, it's great like talking to you and uh, people around the world. I feel like, oh, you guys are willing to listen to me. <laughs> that that also encourages me to do more and want to tell more and 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 get this word out even more so. So yeah, yeah. I'll give you a little feedback on that, man. Um, as somebody who who made a big shift in his life, uh, I know we don't know each other very well. Um, you know, we're just mm-hmm. just getting to know each other, um, but. About 10 years ago, I was a guy that was, you know, only only concerned about um, money and success. And, I, you know, I was a corporate guy in the medical industry. And it was something that, um, you know, the, the better I did personally in terms of money, that was my measure of life. And then everything right. fell apart, man. Everything fell apart. I, I built this ego that was like, you know, I couldn't fit my head through a doorway. <laughs> and I thought I was in right. And, uh, and it all right. fell apart and I found myself divorced with two little kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just alone and really like depressed for the first time in my life. I never knew what that felt like. And so when right. I got to that point, which was a low point for me, it was a rock bottom point just in terms of how I felt. Um, and I decided to rebuild, I rebuilt with purpose and right. with that purpose came just this new open mindset, you know, open to new things. And and I'm so happy to have discovered this life where I get to talk to people like you, other leaders. Um, you know, we both know, uh, you, you know, my buddy, Mark Cordon, um, who's an yeah. incredible human too. And, and, uh, and I'm going to save, although I want to touch on the culture stuff, I'm going to save some of that for you and him to talk about because that is okay. totally his wheelhouse. Uh, but I do want to okay. touch on some of it. Um, but, okay. you know, I get to meet people like you and, and Mark and all these other thought leaders that are out there. And I'm telling you right now, as a person that takes the stage very often uh, to speak on a stage, every voice is important. And and if we're not, if we have a skill set and we have something important to say that could help the world and we're not doing it, what are we doing here, man? You know, what's the point? Yeah, you know? you're right. So I, I you're... commend you for, for doing this, especially for somebody that doesn't, didn't necessarily want that responsibility when you were in a different mindset and now you've embraced it and you're doing good things with it, man. You know, it's awesome. Thanks, George. I really appreciate that, man. The LaunchCast is sponsored today by the Leadership Experience, a coaching masterclass. Intentional, unconventional, thoughtful leadership from keynote speaker, CEO, nonprofit board member, and TEDx executive producer, George Andriopoulos. Hey, that's me. Guys, the music's getting louder and it's epic, which means this is something you shouldn't miss. Registration opens on December 15th and we are beginning January 15th. This music is so loud. That means it's amazing. Join us, theleadershipexp.com for details. You don't want to miss this. Let's get into the culture. So, um, when you when you pitched your story, yes, even your own sketches and storyboard featured a Caucasian father and son originally, right? Yes, and, yes. And a coworker saw that cover and said, "Bobby, this is your story. The character should be Filipino American or Philem, as you say." Yeah. 
I thought, does anyone want to see a Filipino-American character? And I had this unconscious bias, you admitted. Um, what was that like, you know, sort of crossing over that line of, I think all cultures out there, especially like the Americanized versions, you know, I'm a, I'm a Greek American, you're a Filipino American. Um, mm-hmm. There comes that little bit of, of um, I guess that, that repressed anger sometimes where you're like, become like an angry version of your culture, right? Like, why aren't we rep- okay. It's totally different for me yeah. because even my, my culture is just uh, 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 just a, a Mediterranean country. I'm still a Caucasian male. Um, uh-huh. but, but for people that aren't Caucasian males, and, I, and I've spoken to Mark about this too, he used to call it uh-huh. that, that angry Asian vibe, you know? Okay, um, right. You know, and, right. and what was that like for you while you were coming to your own as a professional seeking representation out there? Right. Um, well, I guess when I was looking around and I saw no representation, I guess like at, I, I was still in the unconscious bias. Like, well, I guess that's the way it is. I, I, I wasn't thinking that I could personally change things. Um, and when Float came about and when um, my coworker had suggested that, I, I – it was really more that she said she it was really more what caught my attention was she said how's alex going to feel when he looks up and he sees a caucasian boy representing himself and you know i was cool when it was just me <laughs> like the father being represented as a as a caucasian male but when she said how's alex going to feel i was like oh you're right i don't want to perpetuate this I want my son to feel empowerment. I want him to know that he was worth it. And and so I am grateful that she brought it up. And and because of that, now there are Filipino Americans all across the world who now get to see themselves up there and to see that shift or or just not the shift but the to see the appreciation and 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 the love and support of the Filipino community and, and how, and how they see themselves finally, finally up there. Um, it's, it's thrilling and I'm so overwhelmed by the response. And, um, but yeah, it was because she mentioned Alex. Had she not, I would have went like, yeah, whatever. But when she did, I was, that's it, man. You're talking about my son. Yeah. I'm going to do this for him, man. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. That's so cool. And and uh, I was reading more um, in terms of your thoughts on this, and it's really it's interesting because uh, you you called Filipinos the invisible minority even within the Asian community, right? And yes. I can, and I can totally see that. My wife uh, my wife is Asian as well. She's Chinese. Um, okay. And so um, you know you know when you you meet and become friendly or. or subsequently date and marry somebody you know you get exposed to to them and their culture and um right never really paid attention before but now when when i read this about you i'm like yeah like okay so 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 the chinese are probably the the most represented asian community out there yes and so because they're the number one too with yeah they're the minority most as well then there's like an invisible minority yes yeah, because we're like number three, okay? Like I think the number one is Chinese, number two is Indian, 
I believe we're number three. Yet you would not know that if you were watching TV because you I, I see more Japanese and Korean uh, 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 people on TV. I'm like, wait, where's the Filipinos? We're number three. Yet it, you don't even see us. It's or not TV, but uh, movies. Or if you do, it's not in lead roles. They're just in the background or, or side characters. Um, so, um, yeah, we just kind of blend in. I've read that somewhere, uh, the, the quote, invisible minority. Yeah. And so I was like, no, that's kind of true. We're, we just kind of blend in the background. And I, I want to change that. I want to highlight uh, and, and showcase our our um culture and 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 hopefully get us uh hopefully we'll get more opportunities to tell our stories out there so yeah and i love that and you're you're doing that um i read something else where you said when i was growing up i didn't see many characters that looked like me on television or movies and i'm thrilled that my children will have these guys and hopefully they're just the beginning and will inspire more phil and stories to come and you're doing that with a project that you've been working on for for quite a while right uh the neighborhood legend project yeah neighborhood legend yeah so i want to talk Uh, about that a little bit okay neighborhood legend is uh, store. Uh, I wanted to create a Filipino superhero, because when I saw Black Panther and, and saw how like that just blew up and everyone's like loving it, I felt like, oh, I want to make a Filipino superhero, and uh, and showcase our culture and what we have in our culture is the screama uh, fighting and people who know of it are people people who are used to it being Nightwing. From Batman and or Black Widow has Eskrima sticks, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's ours. <laughs> and it would be nice if you actually saw a Filipino person uh, actually doing our martial art. So um, I am creating this character, uh, 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 Danny Reyes, and he is the neighborhood legend, and it's gonna have Filipino culture in it. And and it's me just trying to uh, showcase our 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 martial art, our stories, and everything in this story. So that's my goal, at least. Yeah. How long have you been working on that? Hmm. On and off. On and off about two years now, I think. It it might have two years. I might have had the concept, and then I, and, and and then I actually started taking the screamer classes. And I have a, a screamer professor, and he's been telling me more about it. So it's been getting tighter and tighter. I'm still kind of in story phase, but um, it's getting there. Yeah, that's very cool. I had a friend uh, uh, back in high school and college that was training with the screamer sticks through another uh, discipline. I I know he he became eventually uh, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, black belt, but. Oh, sweet. I don't know if it was during jujitsu because he didn't. I, I'm actually a, a Kempo martial artist, and we weapons oh, are nice. part of not not good. <laughs> Wait, you guys have like swords, right? Kempo, like the wood swords, or do, yeah, there's there's broadsword. There's uh, there are so many weapons that we uh, are able to train with during. Uh-huh. But I remember with I'm, I'm just confused because I remember Brazilian jujitsu. Is really more about grappling, so I'm curious where he picked that up from. But yeah, he definitely trained with them, and right. uh, yeah, we used to mess around with them a little, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, little right. Too. It's fun. 
until you get whacked over the head. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't think the bamboo stick would hurt that much. <laughs> yeah. So what what format? Um, when, when you know, hopefully this uh, this materializes and comes out. What format is this going to be? Is this going to be a comic book? Um, I maybe I should. I, I mean, I wanted. To, yeah, 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 yeah. I want maybe more. We'll see. We'll Understood. see. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, final question before we round out and, and start doing the big three. Final two questions. Um, okay. We talked about um, uh, spark moments. So I want you to keep that in mind because when we close off uh, the interview, we're going to be doing our segment called the big three, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, okay. But these spark moments in your life, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's many, we all have these spark moments that kind of make us realize what that path is that we should be on or what path not to take sometimes. Um, and they, they help us to develop this leadership in our lives. So you're, you're, I feel like on an amazing path, man, you have, uh, um, you're a storyteller. And so, um, I'm so excited to see what kind of stories you tell next, um, and how you're going to use those, uh, you know, to really, to really help, um, but in terms of the, the leadership you're putting out there as a professional right now, do you feel like you have balance right now within that leadership or in your life? I'd like to think so. I think my wife says I still need to work on it. <laughs> but uh, I – yes, I think I uh, – decently because, I mean, I work a lot. And, and then when I go home, I actually I'm – I'm still hustling, still trying to think of ideas. And but um, but I do try to take time out to play with my kids uh, and and have time with my wife. Um, uh, the thing is now that now the kids are like 12 and and uh, and 14, they don't really hang out with me as much as when they were much younger. I needed to like go to the zoo and everything with them. Now they're all into their games and and phones. So. Um, it, there's even less complaint than uh, daddy's not really hanging out much, but, um, I do feel like, I, I feel like I'm doing a pretty decent balance, I think. So what is, what does balance mean to you, Bobby? Balance to me is that I have enough time to create my own stories and also to fulfill my artistic, uh, uh, abilities and ambitions and also work at Pixar and and work with this amazing company and and be a part of helping them tell their stories and then also being a family man and and doing what's right for my children and my wife and and us having happiness um I find that's a balance I I always when I do my prayers, I always ask for happiness, health, and independence. And I think I say independence for my son because like wow. he's on the spectrum, and I'm hoping that he has that. But I always wish for that. I always hope for that. And I that's what I'm. That's my goals: happiness, health, and and independence. That's very cool, man. Um, I I focus a lot on on balance because balance was the thing that really brought everything together for me for years after. You know, my low point when I really worked on myself, uh, worked on my relationship with my kids first and tried to become like super dad and um, right. and then integrated my work life into that rather than doing it the other way around. And then, you know, excelling at my career and owning my company and everything. And 
all of a sudden I was carrying, you know, these balls like in every different direction. And although I was doing good stuff, it became very difficult. And then I realized something that I like to call the balance phenomenon, where it was that moment. Um, it was that moment that Neo understood the Matrix, right? It was that moment <laughs> that Luke understood the Force. It was like everything just clicked. And it was like, you know what? That's all the same person. They don't have to be different people that I'm leading different lives. It's got, it's, if I can combine those and realize that that's the authentic self, that's me out there mm. doing all those things. And I could be that same person in all those different aspects of my life. I think yeah. that's how I can tie it together. And that was like the secret where it just all started working. Not that it always works, man, because. Oh, okay. I was, cause no, I was no, like, no. wow, I haven't life, hit that. Life Neo. is beautiful. <laughs> But life can also be a goddamn disaster sometimes. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the big three. Okay. The big three from the launch cast. Here we are. The big three. These are, Bobby, your top three answers for each thing that I list. You ready? Okay. Let's do it. Give me your top three spark moments in your life. Top three sparks moments in my life. The one I could think of is right off the bat is when my wife told me you should probably make the float and get out of your misery because I that's where I was stuck. I was stuck in my misery and and instead of of wallowing in in, in despair, uh, choose hope and choose another way out of this despair. So I think that's one. When I chose hope versus wallowing in despair, that's one. Two, um, I suppose was when I first made my first comic book. Um, uh, this happened after I didn't make Animator mm -hmm. at, at Disney. Um, I was like, you know what, man? I could be replaced. I want to tell my own story and I'm going to make this comic book. I'm going to do Alcatraz high. And so when I did that, that was another spark because like, I think it, it's from, from, like I said, my mother had her own company. I'm like, I don't have to be Disney. I could be my own person. I could be my own self. So I'm going to create my own comic book. So that's number two. And number three, um, I, I'm like trying to think of family, something family related. Cause I mean, I suppose it would be my, my wife, uh, my wife and I are high school sweethearts. Oh. And so, I mean, without her, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I know that. Uh, and, um, so that would be the third spark meeting my wife, Susan. Cool. Top three most terrifying, moments. most terrifying moments. Definitely. One is the, the diagnosis of Alex. I was so terrified that I, I, cause I, uh, autism is such an unknown, especially at the beginning, cause it's a wide spectrum. I don't know where does he fall. Does he fall on the lower end of the spectrum or the high end? And, and that was so terrifying, not the unknown, cause I'm, I'm facing the unknown. That's one. Number two, which isn't so terrifying after that, <laughs> uh, is, when I didn't make animator, it seems silly now, but 
back then I was like, well, I trained all my life to be this Disney animator and I got a taste of it with Treasure Planet, but now that 2D's gone, what am I gonna do? And Disney just let me go. And I have no idea what I'm gonna do now. And I remember telling that to my wife. I was like, I'm not an animator, I'm nothing. I am nothing. And she's like, no, you're not. You're still Bobby. You can do a whole lot of things. You're more than just an animator. And and I appreciated that she said that. Um, but that was terrifying because I had built my whole life to becoming a Disney animator. Yeah. And then at three, terrifying. You know what? I guess I'm blessed in that I, I, those are the only two that I'll come to the mind yeah 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 <laughs> um top yeah. three and i know this is this is a tough one this is like ranking your children sort of but projects you've worked on okay of course number one's float <laughs> because that was the most gratifying thing i've done so far yeah. is float that's number one number two um incredibles two because like i said when I heard that they were doing Incredibles 1, I was like, no way, I gotta get on that. And I wanna work with Brad Bird so badly. Uh, number two would be Incredibles 2. And then three um, would be Alcatraz High, my own comic book, because okay. I'm like, that's mine, and, I, and, and they can never take that away from me. <laughs> All right, this one is a is sort of a two-parter, right? We're gonna start with top three comic book characters of all time oh geez top three comic book characters um number one is nightwing as i mentioned because he was a new teen titan and and also he has a scream of sticks and he used to be robin so number one is nightwing number two from the mcu my favorite mcu character is iron man so i Robert Downey Jr. started it all, man. So that's number two. And then number three, it's a tough one. It's a toss-up between Batman and Superman because who do you pick? Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a tie. Okay. How about top uh, three comic books out right now? Right now, top three comic books. I guess I got to go with the classic X-Men, um, Spider-Man, and... That I because I'm thinking what what do I actually read? I do read Spider-Man, X-Men, and um, Captain America. Captain America. Okay. Yes. All right. Final one. Top three failures. Mmm, failures. <laughs> Top three failures. I suppose one is that I didn't accept my son sooner. Like I is shouldn't have went this far. Two um, failures. I mean, I didn't become uh, the when I became an animator, and then and I, and it stopped. Oh, you know, you know, I tried to be an animator f- like tw- two times. The first time I didn't make it, so that was a huge fail, and 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 so. Luckily, I got another opportunity to finally be one. That happened, and the third one, the third failure would be, huh. I mean, the thing is, there's so much, right? What do you choose? 
because we're all human. We all make mistakes, and and you rise up from those failures. You just learn from those failures. I think 75% of my interviews have ended with not being able to get the third one on the failure. Oh, really? Yeah, because you tend to go like, okay, here's the two big ones, but then what's the third? And you're like, uh, I'll take it. Okay. (laughs) Do that. Guys, Bobby Rubio, thank you so much for being here, man. This was, this was so awesome. This was, Oh, thank you, George. It was my pleasure, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do this. And this means we did it. Sweet. All right. Guys, real quick, I'm going to do my moment of inspiration we do on every show. Today's moment of inspiration, guys, is about acceptance in this world. We talk about leadership on this podcast, and and it's so important that leaders have a passion in terms of what they do and the messages that they're trying to spread. And people like Bobby Rubio here, who created a short piece for Pixar, based on his relationship with his son, really put an important idea out there. And what's so cool about it is that the idea was really open for interpretation. It doesn't have to be about autism. It could be about any differences that we have. And so this piece is so important. And in order for something like this to come full circle, in order for the the goal of this piece to be met, it means that we as the audience have to be accepting of what this piece is about. And that's really acceptance and inclusion and understanding. And so I've been toying with this idea of something called an accidental advocate. Um, I came across this when thinking about how the parent or the parents of, of children on the autism spectrum instantly become advocates of their of their children once they are born and diagnosed with autism and so there's a thought inside of me that that really is curious about why that happens instantaneously somebody that may not have really thought about autism or thought about what that means to them personally and all of a sudden it touches them and they are instantly advocates and there's something so beautiful about that that we can really learn from as individuals in this world. And so I want people to really think about that. And I don't want it to be in a negative way, but think about the mindset that a parent must go through when they become an an accidental advocate uh, for their children. Um, And think about what, what process really happens in their brains, in their hearts, to cause them to just instantly become understanding and try and apply that in your life because it's so important because it's so important that we are accepting of each other it's because it's so important that we are accepting of each other and understanding in order to really make a change in this world that's our inspirational thought for the day all right guys again thank you bobby rubio for being here awesome having you hope to have you back one day again yes of course that'd be awesome all right guys see you later Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.